Well, welcome to See Here Love. I'm your host, Melinda, and we have a very special show for you today because it is an all-male show. All of the guests today on See Here Love are men, and I'm really excited to hear what they have to say because the underlying thread of this show is exchanging your lifeless religion for the wonder of following Jesus, and who wouldn't love that? Well, earlier, I sat down with pastor of Harris Creek Church in Waco, Texas, J.P. Pakluda, who was talking to me about Welcome to Adulting, his latest book on navigating faith, friendship, finances, and your future, and his love and passion to reach the millennial generation with the grace and love of Jesus. He has an incredible story of addiction to pornography, sex, and drugs, which has spurred him on to understand the millennial generation and to come alongside and help them adult. You're going to love that interview with JP. But today, I sit down with Addison Bevere, the author of Saints, Becoming More than Christians. And Addison is going to be sharing about why young people are leaving the church, why Christians and the church are getting such a bad rap. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. And that identifying as a saint may just be the answer to a lifeless and uninspiring religion. I think this is going to be a great conversation. And then we close up the show with one of my most favorite moments ever in the See Here Love studio, where for the first time we had an all-male panel, and Matt, Dave, Sean, and Theo looked at one another across the stage, across the platform in our studio, and encouraged and mentored one another on their different stages and circumstances in their seasons. It's beautiful. So enjoy this show, and let's go now to my interview with J.P. Pagluda. All right, JP, welcome to See Here Love and welcome to Canada. Yeah, let's go. Where are you at right now? Where are you living? I'm in Waco, Texas. We moved here a year ago from Dallas and so had been in Dallas for 20 years and then moved an hour and a half south to Waco, Texas. Okay, so you're near like Magnolia. With oh, yeah. Chip's in the other room, actually. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Matt, you yeah. do another group interview or something, like a small group after Yeah, this. Chip, you come in in a minute, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us because I'm really excited about this new book that you've written. Uh, Welcome to Adulting. I love it. And it's like navigating faith, friendship, finance, and future. But, you know, and I think even as a Gen Xer, this is a book that some days I'm like, I need to adult some days. Uh, but what's your story behind this, JP? Because you don't write a book like this without yeah. a story behind it. And obviously you have great impact with millennials. So yeah. what's the background up to this book? So I was raised in the church, uh, went to church twice a week, church school for 18 years, and w was really rebellious there. Uh, you know, that looked like just gr getting into relationships at an early age, drugs at an early age, alcohol, all of that. And I went to college and really crammed four years of partying into two years. It kind of always said my prayers, but never really had a relationship with God. Uh, moved to the big city after college and, you know, wanted to be a millionaire before I was 30, had the penthouse condo, the Jaguar S-type, the job, the corporate world, all of that, and continued to live that club life. And 18 years ago or 19 years ago now, I was at a club one Saturday night and I met someone that I, or I was kind of reacquainted with someone that I knew from college. And I just said, what are you doing this weekend? And she said, I'm going to go check out this church. I said, great, pick me up. And I, I went and, and she really exits the story, but I just kept going and I would, I would be hung over and I'd smell like smoke from the night before from partying. And I just sit in the back and I would really think, all right, what do I believe about God? 
And so I looked at my life and it was really like the world would say I had it all together, but honestly, it was just a complete mess. I was addicted to pornography. It had sexual addiction, uh, was materialistic and, and just really wasn't doing anything to make the world a better place. I was so, I was narcissistic ultimately. And the Holy Spirit began to work on that. And so that leads to kind of the second story, which is five years later, I would tell you I was formally called in a vocational ministry. And that's the story in and of itself. But the Lord said, hey, you're going to come work for me. And I had such a heart for people in their 20s and 30s because that's where my life changed. And there was this ministry that I became a part of called The Porch. And it was about 150 people that would meet on a Tuesday night. But uh, as, as I got to continue to invest there, it grew to about 3,500 people. And so then I had this front row seat for tens of thousands of young adults, people in their 20s and 30s. And I got to see just the way that they're, you know, the decisions that they'd make that lead to life the decisions that they make that lead to disaster. And I just began to write down those patterns. And because so much of ministry is just pattern recognition. And so as I wrote down those patterns, Welcome to Adulting was born. And the goal behind that was I want to write a book that would truly and sincerely be helpful and address the issues of today for anyone in their 20s and 30s, uh, you know, coming out of college and entering into the real world. I love that you have a heart uh, for that age group. So I think there's many, many, many 20s and 30s that at that time and age frame, that's where they're sort of like getting it with God. Okay, JP, in this book, which I love adulting, I always like say that to, you know, I have teenage stepkids, yeah. but there's a couple of points that I want to get through that you can kind of tease us with sort of like high level answers. Yeah. In this book, you talk about this. So number one is seeking freedom can be a trap. And I think that's fascinating because it's always about our freedoms, freedom to live, freedom to love. And you actually say it can be a trap Mm-hmm. And it's not just for millennials, but I think for all of us. Yeah, often it is. And so this is easy to illustrate with my own life. And so I want, you know, I was raised in a small town in a farm in the middle of nowhere and, um, you know, wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And so found sex at an early age, you know, just after adolescence and, uh, and then got into pornography. And so I want the freedom to look at porn, right? And so I go and I get an internet account and I can look at porn whenever I want. And all of a sudden I can't not look at porn. Okay, now, so I've done drugs, I've done cocaine, I've done ecstasy, and I smoked weed every day for a season of my life, but, but nothing has gripped my soul quite like that, and I, and I couldn't stop it, you know, I, I, and, and then it was just like, I could even tell, even as a non-Christian, I'm like, man, there's something unhealthy about this, because it's gripped me, I, I like, all of a sudden, I'm daydreaming about this, and, and, and life is less interesting, and all of the bright colors have kind of faded to gray, and, and so this would be a great example of, of the slavery that, that I'm talking about. And then I would just say, also, Melinda, sometimes in our pursuit of freedom, we want freedom from integrity, meaning that we, we don't want to be held responsible for our actions. Wow, that's interesting. That really is, GP. Like this freedom, we're like, we want freedom to do what we want and, and to do what makes us feel good. But in the end, it actually can be to the detriment of yourself. It actually traps you. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I- these are really good kind of like shockers that you're doing because I think people need to have the honest truth about these decisions. All right. Second question. Okay. This one, JP, follow your passion is not good advice. Okay. Now outing a lot of sort of like women and the way we talk, it's like, you know, you know, do what you, you love and that you're passionate about. If you're passionate about it, pursue it. I mean, that's been the language in society in culture, Christian or not in the church or not. That is kind of the language. And you're saying JP, it's not good advice. I think it's going to shock a lot of people who are going to be watching this and listening. What does that mean? Yeah. 
the problem with the, with the message of follow your passions is your passions are always changing. And then what happens is, is you, you lead yourself in and out of commitments in your life. You're left with a life that's a big sloppy mess. And so at some point we have to add commitments to our passion. You know, like Malcolm Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. And if you, if you just follow your passions, I promise you the thing that you're most passionate about at some point and someday you will no longer be passionate about it. And so you have to, you have to follow something else. And so Proverbs 4.23, it doesn't say follow your heart for the wellspring of life. It says guard your heart for the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. And so what it means to guard your heart is be careful what you feed it because our heart is like a bloodhound. It follows the scent of what we feed it. I'll meet with young ladies and they'll say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why I keep dating, you know, these, these jerks. And I'll say, well, what kind of music do you listen to and what's your favorite show? And they're like, what does that have anything to do with it? And I was like, well, what you feed your heart has everything to do with what you're attracted to because you're informing your heart. You're telling it what to look for. And so I, I would not follow your heart. I would inform it. I would, I would tell it what to love. We would never follow a GPS before we put in a destination. You know, you feed something and it grows. And, and so like you have to pay attention to what you pay attention to. Uh, and so if you feed an addiction, that addiction grows bigger and stronger. This is the lie to, to my young friends. This is the lie of the one last time you think, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to call her one last time, or I'm going to go there one last time, or I'm going to, uh, you know, please myself one last time. What you did is, is you fed something and it grew so that the next time is going to be more difficult than the last time. Yeah, it's amazing. So welcome to adulting your hope for this book. And and like reading all these sort of accolades, JP, like it's a survival guide. This is a, a must-go-to book for anybody that's trying to navigate, you know, moving and jumping into adulthood. What, what's your hope for, you know, your message it, through your words? I really am hopeful about Gen Y and Gen Z. I, I really think that I want that God wants to use this generation for a great awakening, a revival, for them to do something bigger than themselves. That would be the, the greatest, my greatest desire. Amazing. That's so inspiring. I think somebody who, you know, is mentoring young women and yeah. now see here love is about that. I think that really just encourages me that there's resources, but also for me just to keep doing the work. I'm encouraged by that, JP. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I, I love I love your message. I love what you're doing. I love the way you're pouring into the next generation. And so thanks for letting me just, you know, play along for a bit. Awesome. And thanks for your inspiring story. I love when I hear stories that kind of connect with mine or, or similar. Yeah. I feel like, you know what, you're not alone in that, that you I love that your mess can be your message in ministry. That's amazing. That's so encouraging. Hi, I'm Melinda, host and executive producer of See, Hear, Love, and I hope you are enjoying our conversation today. Well, you may not realize that See, Hear, Love is made possible by the support of viewers and listeners like you. So would you please consider becoming a monthly donor? Any gift goes a long way in helping us build a community of women and men who talk about real issues and struggles as we navigate our faith together. Well, please go to seeherelove.com now and click on the big purple donate button. Thanks so much. All right, well, we're back with Addison Bevere, COO of Messenger International. Woo! Missions, I love that. <laughs> Co-founder of sonsanddaughters.tv and author of the book, Saints Becoming More Than Christians. Wow. Addison, this is going to be such a great conversation. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to, to chat with you. 
Yes. This book, Saints Becoming More Than Christians, before we get right oh. into it, um, after looking at your videos and reading a little bit about it, I just, I, here's an honest question I have for you. A number of my friends, people I know who've been in ministry, who have been sort of evangelical, evangelical Christians for a long time, are now yeah. in this phase, whether it's a movement, a new reformation of theological deconstruction. Sure. So questioning the Bible, they're questioning a lot of things, Christian culture, all of that. Uh, what would you say to that? I mean, I, I think when I was reading the book, it's like, I think there's some, some answers in your book for that. But what are your sort of overall thoughts about this sort of movement of people saying, whoa, we're stepping back and, and deconstructing? I think in many ways, the gospel message that we've grown up with is too small for our big world. And I'm not saying that the gospel is too small. Yeah. But I think the version of the gospel, the version of God, the, the version of the good news, the version of what it is to be the church, I think it's too small. And, and some of the younger generations are poking holes in it. So for me, like I'll speak from my journey. Okay. I probably haven't liked calling myself a Christian for 20 years. And I've grown up in a wonderful, quote unquote, Christian family. But there are so many labels and stigmas and stereotypes that have attached themselves to this idea of being a cultural Christian yeah. that I find to be very different in many ways counter to what we find in scripture. And I think it, and I think we have to take an honest look at this to be like, what message are we sending to our world about what it is to be people of faith? And does that harmonize with the biblical narrative? Yeah. And so it's not for me, like I think deconstruction is a good thing. I think it's healthy for every generation to wrestle with the sacred text. Um, I think there's a huge difference between deconstruction and destroying. And if we're really confident in our faith, if we're confident in the one who is the answer, the one who is truth, we should invite questions. We yeah. should invite conversation. I think in many ways, the church, and I'm speaking generally, the church and church culture hasn't offered a safe place for people to ask hard questions. Yeah. That is so good. And I, I mean, and part of that too, then Addison is why Christians and the church have gotten such a bad rap. A lot of, you know, you're, what you just said that we're not creating spaces for honest conversation. That stuff doesn't necessarily work. Well, it, it doesn't work. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Because I think for someone like me doing Christian broadcast sure. for the pastor for ministry people, what can we do then to ensure that, you know, we don't sort of perpetuate this to the next generation to the next generation. You know what I mean? Like creating yeah. that. What would you say? Man, that is, that is such a good question. There's so many answers. I'm going to try to hone in on a couple. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, I'm going to use this idea of a saint to answer your question. Perfect. So when, when people hear the word saint, they're probably like, why in the world did you write a book called saints? Okay, yeah. More than Christians. Yeah. And right? I, like, can I, just because I said the saint, I know it's, it's one it was one of my favorite movies, the saint with Val Kilmer. I mean, I, it, when you said that I, it immediately Val Kilmer's face came to mind. Yeah. I, I know I, I keep going. No, no I love that. I love that. Hey, anytime we can get some, some pop culture stuff in there, that's good. But uh, so for, for me, when I look at this word saint, I see, I see something that unlocks everything that we crave as humans. I'm not just talking about Christians. I'm talking about humans. Yeah. And, and so when we think of the idea of a saint, we think of anyone but us. We think of Mother Teresa. We think of St. Paul. We think of people who lived a long time ago. They were canonized by the church. They did extraordinary feats. And they live now in stained glass windows with halo, halos on their heads, right? Like that's a saint. 
But the truth is, and this like this will this will rock some people as they dive into this. The truth is, if you look at the New Testament, you will find that the word Christian is used only three times in the entire New Testament. But the word saint is used all throughout the New Testament to describe what was happening, this disruptive move of God, this new norm, this kingdom of God being established on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you think about the letters that we find in the New Testament, how do they begin? To the saints in Rome, to the Mm -hmm. saints in Corinth, to the saints in Ephesus, right? Mm -hmm. Paul, he is calling these new believers, these first century Christians, and he's also speaking to us through scripture. He is calling them saints. He's not saying, hey, one day if you do X, Y, and Z, you become a saint. He's saying, you're a saint right now. And because you're a saint, that means you dive into the messiness of our humanity. That means you get your hands dirty because you have a vision for our world. You are a soul on tiptoe. You peek behind and beyond what is to get a glimpse of what could be. And that's truly what a saint is. A saint is someone who merges the worlds of what is and what will be, establishing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'm sharing some lofty ideas here. You're like, okay, that's a bit esoteric, Addison. So, like, what does that mean for us today? Well, here's the profound thing about a saint. A saint, because they have this vision of what could be, they get into the mundane. They realize that the every day is sacred. Like, we have bought this lie that what we do on Sunday, that's sacred, and everything else, we're just, like, trying to get through life or make it through life. It's all secular. That's entirely untrue. The gospel is supposed to reclaim every person and every space. So saints are people who are stay-at-home parents. They're CEOs of companies. They're baristas. They're engineers. They're mechanics. They're all over the map. And they're people who see their lives through the lens of significance that God intends for us. Oh, Addison. Okay, so here's the thing. You were on fire. Like, that was just, like, coming through the screen. Like, I could feel it. How, like, I I think it's just because, you know, I think everybody listening will be like, I want that kind of passion and understanding. I get that. I'm resonating and tracking with what Addison's saying. How did you get there? Because like, like you and me, we grew up as Christians, you know, parents who are in ministry and and in that kind of work. And there's a lot of people like, I don't have that same kind of fire. I've I've sort of been in the same situation you guys have both been in. For you, because was it like an aha? Has it been a gradual journey? How do we get that same thing? It, I don't want to stay small. It's not mine. It's our collective, you know, response uh, to this. So what was it for you? For me, I would say it was a series of steps and it continues to be a series of steps. But it started with me saying like, God, I'm not content for powerless sentiments. I'm not, I'm not content like with this small idea of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Like I want to know truth. I'm not going to give my life and exchange what you've given to me, this gift of life for something so small and insignificant. And that allowed me to ask hard questions. And it also challenged me to see the real people around me. A few years ago, I had, um, I'll share this story. I think it'll, I think it'll give some context. I had a cataract surgery. I get this surgery. I'm supposed to be able to see clearly after they give me a fake lens and there were complications. I couldn't see clearly. Then I had another surgery. And then I had two more procedures after that. So I had four procedures within the span of like four weeks. And after the fourth procedure, I still can't see clearly, right? Like I can't see clearly out of my right eye. It's still like I'm looking through a fog because that's what it's like when you're looking through a cataract. Like you're looking through a fog. And I'm sitting there with the surgeon, Melinda, and I'm like, doctor, what's going on? Like, why can't I see clearly? And he looked at me and he said, Addison, there's nothing I can do to make your vision better. He's like, you have a perfectly clear lens. 
He said, your brain is still convinced you're seeing through a fog. Wow. And, I, and it hit me in that moment. We as followers of Jesus, like we have new life. We have like the mystery and the wonder of new creation inside of us, but we haven't really woken up to the beauty of holiness, to the beauty of righteousness, to the beauty of community. And so saints are people who, who see things differently. Like we live in the same world, but we see things differently. We look at Hebrews 11, there's a list of men and women who the world was not worthy of. That's how verse 34 describes them. The world was not worthy of them. Why wasn't the world worthy of them? Because they were exactly what the world needed. Mm. And what was the one attribute that they all had in common? They could see the unseen. So good, Addison. So as people are listening, I'm listening, watching. I'm like, sign me up. I want to be a saint. What does that practically look like? Like, I mean, maybe I'll do a plug. Get your book. (laughs) Get the book so you can read about it. But practicality, because especially when I'm like dealing with like millennials and and working with them, it's like, I want that practical tool, Melinda. Give me that one resource skill. But for also anybody across the ages. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first step is acknowledging that you are a saint. Hmm. And I know people like, like, what? <laughs> what? So here's the thing, like, you don't have to perform three miracles or raise someone from the dead or whatever. Like, that's not what a saint is. A saint is someone who knows that they are his. A saint is actually the, the term is, is very closely tied to family. And so it's like, you know, you are a child of God. You know, you're a son, a son or a daughter. And because you know that you're a saint. And now when you start saying like, I'm a saint, what it does, and this is how God works. So God, he exists outside of time. So he sees things not just as they are. He sees them as they could be, as they will be, as they should be. And he sees things as they once were. So what God does is he speaks prophetically over us. And by speaking prophetically over us, he moves us into something new. And I actually end the book with this line. I say, you are a saint. Now become one. And that is the tension of being. It's like, we are already a saint. We are already a child of God. And now the life, like the good life that we crave, and that's how I start the book, the good life that we crave is actually the life spent journeying into what that means for us practically, specifically, individually, and corporately. And I, I, I would love to give people a formula, and we love to reduce everything to, everything to formulas because when we reduce it to a formula, we can control it. We can manipulate it. We can twist it. Yeah. And Jesus, if you study his life, he wouldn't do that. He would not play their games, and he refused for his words to be twisted and repurposed in a way that would lead to bondage instead of freedom. Amazing. That's amazing. Addison, that is so good. I think for the church, for people who have been Christians and followed Jesus for a long time, people who are deconstructing their faith, this is really important. I think I think it's actually, it's encouraging too, because I think something new like this, seeing ourselves in a new way is so healthy, refreshing, liberating. Any, any last thoughts? I mean, there's so much in your book. We talked about grace, God's love language. I mean, there's, there's things like conversion versus salvation, your green eggs and ham book. I mean, there's so many things. Any last thing that you just want to kind of encourage or remind or say before we have to be off this? Or, or you, unless you want to talk for two hours more, Addison, and make no. a really long show. <laughs> no, I would, I would just tell people, like, look, there's a shaking and stirring happening right now in Yay. our world. Mm-hmm. There is. The, the old norm is gone. A new season has begun, and I believe that it is the time of the saints, and I believe that we are on the verge of a great revival, a return to the heart and plans of God, but every revival must first start with a reformation. 
That's what like we don't understand. Like before there's revival, we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we see God, see ourselves, see our world. And I know, I know people out there, they might not think of themselves as a saint. And they're like, Addison, are you just, you know, pulling something out of the air, something that's clever, something that's novel? The truth is this isn't new. I'm not, I'm, it's fresh, but it's not new. I'm not making something up. This is the biblical narrative. And it was the narrative of the early church. It was their narrative when they were turning the world upside down, when they were reclaiming the broken, when they were reaching out to the marginalized, when they were reconciling groups of people that didn't get along. They were known as saints. And I think our world right now with the world that we're in, it needs us to grab this banner and say, look, we are people who practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Even when we don't fully understand it, we lean in by the power of faith, hope, and love to build for what God has promised our world. Preach it. Amazing. Woo! Addison, that was so amazing. Addison Bevere, author of this incredible book, Go Get It Now. And Addison, thank you so much. That, that It's what I needed uh, today. Encourage me in my own journey of faith and as I communicate you know, the truth and the good news of Shalom. Uh, you really encouraged me today. So thank you so much for being thank you, Melinda. here on See Here Love. So appreciate it. An honor. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. Thanks. Well, now let's go to one of my most favorite moments in the See Here Love studio with our first all-male panel that was with Matt, Dave, Sean, and Theo as they encourage one another in their different ages and stages of life. Take a look. I love 21. It was a great age. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it's a decade where you get to experience a lot of what I want to do and what I'm going to do and at the same time the shaping of who am I going to be. And uh, let me encourage you that you already know who you, you belong to. You said that I belong to Christ and root yourself there and then allow yourself to express yourself and say, okay, how is that going to manifest itself in what I do? But always coming back to, no, I belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's, good. that's great. Um, it's interesting giving advice to someone who is so much more, has so much more wisdom, especially just going through this. So much more gray hair. You're almost um, going to say so, someone so much older. No, so much more wise, but that's, no, that still works. You, you said that you were kind of going through like spontaneity, like that's the thing again. Yeah. And maybe like that's kind of, a beautiful reward. You get to live in that and you get to explore and still do it for Christ, which is an incredible kind of full circle privilege. Yeah, thanks. It's amazing. Cool. Love that. It's good. Okay, 3040s. So we just met, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess if I look back a little bit ago, uh, I was trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we just can never win that. Mm-hmm. And that's rooted in a sense of identity and what pleases other people instead of just saying, my identity is in Christ period. Mm. And the best way to love God is also to express my love for my family. Mm. So your way you love your wife and your kids mm. is so much more important than trying to define yourself by the other things you achieve. Well, totally. And I struggle with that. Totally. Like I was trying to please everything else and I had yeah. very little left. Yeah. So mm. I wish I, like, I should have flipped that. Mm. And my wife kind of bore the brunt of that, to totally. be honest, you know. Mm. So that's, I don't know. It's hard to give advice, but I'm saying that's one thing I learned oh, at least. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. well received. It's, wow. it's very pertinent right now, okay. actually. You know, when, when we have these things in life that we let go, but those things were never wasted. Hmm. They were incubating us to become the man that we are on the road of. And uh, I mean, if uh, hopefully that encourages you. And I think that's, I mean, that's all I really have for you. And I think that that's kind of, I hope that I, someone says that to me when I get to 43, which is apparently really close to my thought. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, what a show. Thanks so much to JP, Addison, Matt, Theo, Dave, and Sean for your inspiring words, sharing your stories and learnings with such courage and depth. You know, exchanging lifeless religion for the wonder of following Jesus is so worth it. You heard uh, from them, these guys with their stories of, of pain and addiction and how Jesus and relationship with him brought them through, gave them a purpose and passion to make a difference in the, in the world. I hope you were encouraged today with the show. For more information on all of our guests or additional content, go to seeherlove.com. And for the full interviews uh, with our male guests today, subscribe to our YouTube channel at See Here Love. And as we always end every show, and if you're searching for answers, if you are frustrated with the church and Christian religion, and you just don't know where to turn, know this promise that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherlove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.